Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. We're going to pray for a moment. Father, we pray, God, and we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes to hear, open our eyes to see, sorry, open our ears to hear what you want to say to your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, um, I've started a series, and the title of my series here is, it's actually just a two-week series, but it's called Teach Us to Pray. And um, I I did uh, a teaching on the Lord's Prayer, I think it was two or three years ago, Um, but I I, I felt not to look at those notes. I just said, I'm going to start from from scratch, I'm going to go to the Word, see what God wants to say, because every time we read His Word, something else pops out of it, right? Because His Word is alive. It's living and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So we're going to look at the uh, Lord's Prayer. There's a lot of great theology there that I think we can pull out of the Lord's Prayer. Starting in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 5, and it says, Jesus says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Now, Jesus is speaking with his disciples, and I want to start by saying this. I find it very interesting that his disciples came to him and they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Or, Lord, teach us to heal the sick. Or, Lord, teach us to, you know, do miracles. They came and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, they saw something in the life of their master that really connected them or connected him in relationship with the Father. And they, we want to have this. And so I think there's a foundation here in the Lord's Prayer uh, that, that the Lord gives us. And I think it's a good prayer to pray re- repetitiously in a sense. But more than that, it gives us a pattern of what's important in prayer. Okay, and so the model prayer here in Matthew chapter five, verse six, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And so the word hypocrite, a modern word for that is actually pretender. Don't be like those who pretend. Okay. God is interested in our heart. Don't be like the pretenders, but instead I want you to uh, not look to receive affirmation, recognition, and acceptance from men. Because, see, that is their reward. You know, God put a desire in each and every one of us to be recognized, appreciated, and loved by people. There's a need in us for that. And Jesus is saying, don't look for that in men, because if you do, you'll get that. But whatever you receive from men is temporal. What you receive from the Lord is eternal. And then we go on to read here. It says, they have the reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Okay. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Okay. Um, God is calling you and I into a secret meeting. That's such a powerful thought that and I, w- I want you to look at this verse. and I'm going to ask you a question. OK, um, where does the father dwell? OK, in the secret place. There's a special appointment for you and I in that place alone with God where we close the door when it's you and the Father and you begin to, the Bible says in James, we draw near to God and he will draw near to us. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And there's this whole thing of just coming before the Lord, bearing your soul. There's something about the secret place that 
The enemy of God wants to keep you away from that time with the Lord. He wants to keep you out of the place where God dwells. God stays in that place. He, he's waiting for us. He's calling us into the place. There's, there's a corporate anointing here. When we come together corporately, God's presence is here with us. But there's a special place for you and God. It's a secret meeting. It's a secret place. And I want to encourage you in 2024 to just not allow yourself to get so busy that you miss the closet where God dwells in the secret place. Amen. And uh, Elijah was a spiritual warrior. And I love Elijah. He went up and he called down fire from heaven and fire came down and the prophets of Baal were defeated before the God of Israel, right? And we see the powerful hand of God moving and he's the prophet for the hour. And then all of a sudden, Jezebel, the queen, threatens him and says, you will be dead by this time tomorrow. I'm going to kill you. And fear gripped Elijah, and he ran from the presence of the Lord, and he was hiding. But he wasn't in the secret place. And the Lord said to Elijah, I need you to... He was in a depression. He was in a, in a place of, of discouragement. He was in a place of fear. And, and God says, I want to show you something, Elijah. And he pulled him up to the mountain, and he said, look at this. And there's this big windstorm came and tore up the rocks, probably a tornado. And Elijah says, the Lord's voice was not in the, in, in the tornado. And then there was a great earthquake, and he said the Lord's voice was not in the earthquake. But then he heard a small, still voice, and the Lord's voice was in that place. And so when he was in fear and discouragement and anguish and depression and being under attack, he was being called into that secret place where he could hear the voice of God to be strengthened. Amen? And God is calling his people into that place. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see this in Psalm 31, verse 20. If we look it up here, it says, You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. How many want to be hidden in the presence of God? Right? He'll hide us from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues or from accusation. There's safety in the secret place. That's where God dwells. We see in Psalm 32, verse 7, the psalmist says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. This is really awesome because we see that the benefits of the secret place, just out of those two verses, we see on this next slide, is that we are hidden in his secret place, in his presence from the conspiracy that is against us. We have a slide for that. There we go. These are some of the benefits. We're hidden from the plots of men. We are sheltered from the strife of tongues, which means accusations that come against you. We are protected from trouble, and he delivers us from our enemies. We can go be in a place of depression, discouragement, sickness, poverty of spirit, and we move into that secret place and you can leave that place feeling redeemed and healthy and whole in Jesus' name. How many have ever experienced that, right? And so the enemy wants to keep you out of that secret place because there's power in the presence of the Lord. The most important thing is that he himself becomes our hiding place through the storms of life. I've been in some storms and some storms I haven't fully understood. Has anyone understood your storms? And 
even to this day, don't have the answer to why things didn't work the way they worked. But it was in the secret place where that comfort and the strength came. And the enemy delivered me from the stronghold. And it's important to understand this, that in Jesus's prayer, he says, even before he gets to the prayer, he says, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the very acceptance and appreciation that you're looking for from people, you're going to get it from God. And when you go out, people are, the people that you were looking to approve of you will see you approved of by the Father. Isn't that good news? We don't need the, the approval and the appraisal of men. We need it from the Father. It certainly feels good when people appreciate us, but more importantly is the approval of God the Father. He sees your prayers. He rewards you openly. And verse 7, let's move on in our passage here. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I have a slide here to bring up because I think it's important we understand what vain repetition is. So vain repetition is to repeat the same thing over and over, to use idle words, to babble or to, I don't know if that's prate or prat, prat. And um, does anyone know anyone who just talks all the time? No, don't answer that. Don't look at your spouse. Saying the same thing over and over and over and over. Babbling on and on and on. To prat means to talk foolishly or tediously. Too long, too slow, too dull. To speak at length about something. To go on and on. To babble and babble and babble. The word idle means it's inactive. It means your words are unemployed. Okay, so in other words, without, you don't have a thought of processing the prayer or what you're saying to God. There's no, uh, the, engine's, the engine's idling, but it's not in gear. Okay? And Jesus is saying, don't let your words be idle. When you go before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to overcome this and give me the strength. And you have to think about that and, and, and work it out, walk it out. Don't just pray for the sake of praying religiously, but engage your heart and your soul with the words that you're saying, if that makes sense, okay? And so, we don't want to prate. Therefore, verse 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need or of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And we're going to say this prayer together um, at the end of, of my message here. He says here, Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Jesus gave us his template, but there's so much deep theology even in the prayer. And we're going to break down a little bit of that this morning. So let's look together and discuss its meaning. So the prayer starts here. It says, Our Father, who art in heaven. So it's very important to understand that God is a person. He's not only a person, but he's a father. If he's our father, then we're sons and daughters. And so God is not the universe. He's not a, he's not a force. He's not the force like in Star Wars. He's not... He's not, uh, you know, uh, in the earth, the fire, the water, the wind, the earth. He's created those things, but he is a person. 
and he has a location. He lives in heaven. Now, his Holy Spirit is here and his presence is on the earth, but he's not in the dolphins and the squirrels, you know, <laughs> and the leaves. And, and that's all new age and that's Hinduism. We're going to talk about that in a little bit of what that is. But he clarifies who God is and who, who he is. He's a father, he's a person, and he lives in a domain. He's in heaven. The only creation that he lives in is his new creation, saints, where his Holy Spirit takes up residence within us and lives within us. This is important because today we're seeing uh, this whole idea of pantheism. We're going to talk about what that is um, uh, in just a second. So let's, let's go actually to that slide, if you don't mind. Let's bring that up. There's different, different religious foundations. There's monotheism, which means mono is one theism God, one God. And so the Jews, Islam, and Christianity believe in one God. Now, as Christians, we believe in one God in three persons, but we still believe we're monotheistic in our beliefs. Then there's pantheism, which is all is God, and God is in all things. And then there's polytheism, which is there's many gods. And then, of course, there's atheism, without God or man becomes God. And those are the different theisms. And so Jesus, so in this opening prayer, his opening verse, he says, hey, God, there's one God, he's a father, and he lives in heaven. He's not in all things. He makes it so clear in this First thing. Now, pantheism is a religious belief that includes the entire universe in its idea of God. A, b- a belief that God is all around us throughout the whole universe. Now, uh, he, his presence is, is everywhere, but he's not in that, if that makes sense, okay? And a pantheist believes God is part of nature and souls are one with all things Around them, And we see pantheism being kind of uh, promoted in Hollywood, see it all over. We see it in Star Wars. We see it in Kung Fu Panda, Moana, some, some of the movies. The movie Avatar, the director of Avatar, James Cameron, said that he was deeply inspired by Hinduism and mythology uh, and that the Avatar was his subconscious link to India and how he... So if you look at the movie and then you study Hinduism, you'll see the, the link between the two, right? And I'm not saying that to condemn you if you watch the movie or not. I'm making a point, okay? The point is that this next generation is confused about who God is. Is he, is he the universe? No, he's a person. He's the person of the Godhead, the Father. He lives in heaven, and we can have a relationship with him. He's not an unknowable force that is just a mystery. He's a father, and we can be sons and daughters. And Jesus clarifies this so well in this opening part of the prayer. The end time deception is is on the earth right now. We read in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 21 and 23, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. We see if we move on to verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. 
Amen. And so this next generation has to understand, like I'm watching TV now, sometimes watching Netflix, some of you are Amazon, whatever you watch, and you see all these, these shows and you hear people say, well, the universe is guiding me. That's pantheism. You cannot have a personal relationship with the universe. And our generation coming up need to know that Jesus said it clear. Okay. And for those who maybe come in and have Hinduism or Buddhism or some other faith in your background, I'm just you believe that Jesus was a divine teacher. Well, he's telling us here who God is. He's a he's a noble father that lives in heaven that abides in us by his Holy Spirit. And we're to worship only him. So awesome. Right. Christians who call God the universe and talk in mystical language are no longer true Christians, but they're pantheists in their beliefs. And I say that, it might seem harsh, but the reality is I've heard, I'm not going to say the denomination because I believe in covering people, but there's certain denominations now that are talking in mystical language about God. They don't want to say God the Father, they're saying the universe or the divine being that looks over us, and it's like, get that talk out of the church. Amen? That doesn't belong in the house of God. That's not solid theology. So let's continue with the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. So in this manner, he says, Therefore pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We'll bring up this next slide here. really talks about the word hallowed. What does it mean? The word hallowed actually means um, to be holy, ceremonially pure, consecrate, or to venerate. So venerate means to set something apart as sacred, okay? And my best example, I know, I know I've, you can bring up the slide there if you don't want to. There's no slide for that one? Okay. There was in the first service, but anyway. The, uh, yeah, to venerate really talks about setting something apart as sacred or very special. And I, and I talk about this because it's kind of funny, but my wife, she's from Sweden, and uh, she, there's Swedish candy you can't get in Canada. And so her family ships it over. It comes in the mail. And she puts that in her night table. And um, it's sacred because it's not for us. It's for her. And if our fingers are caught going into that drawer, she turns, she's a, you know, Ruttweiler in lipstick. Like she gets, <laughs> like you, because it's sacred. It's holy. It has such, it's, it's consecrated. It's very special to her. And, and um, hallowed be thy name. We, we, we recognize with great respect and revere the name of God, whether it's Yahweh or Jehovah, or we use the name of Jesus, the names of Scripture, the names of God. It's holy. It's consecrated. It's special. And I remember as a new believer, I had just come back to the Lord. I was so excited. I was going to church, and I loved Jesus, and I was worshiping. I'd go home, play my guitar. I'd worship for two hours. so excited about God. I went to work, and somebody came in the bathroom. It was a big factory I was working, and he said, Jesus Christ, as he was talking to someone in not a good way, and I turned around out of my carnal nature and pinned him up against the wall and said, don't you ever talk about my God that way or I'll knock you out. <laughs> and while it's coming out of my mouth, I realized this isn't so Christian. And he was so scared. He's like, oh, sorry, man, sorry. Um, but the name, I wouldn't, I don't, don't advise that, but that was where I was at. But we need to, to honor and venerate the name of the Lord. It's sacred, it's holy, it's pure. And we see here in Malachi, 
the prophet who prophesies about the Gentile church is, hasn't come yet, but he's prophesying 400 years earlier. He says, for from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. So he's saying, my name's going to be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. Incense in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of prayer and worship, right? And he says that in every place, worship shall be offered to my name, a pure offering. It's, you know, when Jesus talked with the woman at the well, he said, the time is coming where people are not, it's not going to matter whether you're at the temple or if you're on the mountain, because people are going to worship in spirit and in truth. This is what God is saying. People are going to have a relationship with me. And he was anticipating that the gospel could get out to the Gentiles. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And then we see him go on to say, and he's talking to now the Jews who are not in a good place. They're basically getting grounded for their behavior. Look what he says. You profane my name in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its, fruit is, its food is contemptible. And you also say, oh, what a, what a weariness. Oh, it's such a bother to go to church, such a bother to pray, and, but I should do it, you know. Um, and, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And then you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick, and you offer them as an offering. So in these days, uh, a person would be responsible to bring a lamb and they would bring their best lamb and it would become a sacrifice for their sins. But now they were saying, okay, well, let's just take this one. It's got a broken leg or this one, you know, it's got a kidney tumor. Let's just take this one, you know, and we'll just give God the second best instead of giving God the best. And as a New Testament saint, we can do the same thing. We can, we can tip God with our time, tip God with our affection, tip God with our prayer, instead of saying, God, you come first and everything else is secondary. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. There's a little secret there. And so he's talking and he says, should I accept this from your hands, says the Lord? The curse be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be honored or feared among the nations, all right? And so we see this, Jesus saying, holy is your name. And I think we need to slow down some, okay, God, thank you, Father, you know, um, who is in heaven, holy is your name. You are holy. You're set apart like Camilla's candy. You're just like that to me, amen? That's what God, that's the heart of prayer. And then we see, we go on in the prayer. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. And so every kingdom has a government. Every kingdom has a culture. Every kingdom has laws that govern. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, you're praying, God, let your kingdom and government rule and your reign come to earth. I want to see the culture of heaven in earth. And you know what's amazing? If you study heaven, there's no more evil. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no sadness. There's, there's perfect friendships that aren't tied in with envy and jealousy and strife and offense or perfect relationships with people. How many would love perfect relationships with your in-laws? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hallelujah. Praise God. No, hands went down. There's constant learning. We're going to be learning about God for eternity. You know? Like I think about, the more I study the scripture, it's kind of like you have this little glass 
and you think it's filled with water, but Jesus Christ and, and the triune Godhead is like the Atlantic Ocean. It's like, how, how am I going to get that in my little glass? And we all think we got the truth and we got the dibs on who God is. And then we're going to get to heaven and go, wow. We knew enough to get here, but man, we had no idea. And we're going to see people from all, we're going to see Catholics and Anglicans and Baptists and Pentecostals. And we're all going to be standing there and go, man, we're, we didn't know what was going on. I'm sure. Because the Bible says we're going to learn about his glory for eternity. There's, there's un, the, the, the goodness and the glory of God will just continue to come in that time. Amen? Amen. And so I believe that uh, God wants his will to come on earth. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 36 and 38, we see, we'll actually go down to verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, okay? And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Say all. all. Who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And so Jesus, Jesus gave us a, a pattern and an understanding here that in heaven there's no sickness, disease, pain, suffering, that's God's ultimate will. And when we pray, we say, Lord, let that come through my life. Let healing come to people. Let deliverance come to people. Let sorrow be defeated. Let the kingdom expand. Let heaven be on earth. And I believe that we want to see the glory of the Lord, according to Scripture, cover Canada, cover from sea to shining sea. His glory shall cover the face of the earth. We, we believe that God's kingdom can come when his church begins to pray. Not my will be done, Lord. I really want a new car and a bigger house and a better job and a new girlfriend. You know, I don't want a new girlfriend, but you know what I mean. I'm just, and, and, and you're saying, God, and we get so focused on what we want. So saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. I'm going to pray for salvations. I'm going to pray for my, uh, either prime minister to get saved or get out of office. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for that. And you begin to seek the kingdom of God, see the the glory of God come down, and then all of a sudden things start showing up. Blessings start showing up. You're like, "Where's that? Go? Oh, well, someone just gave me a car." You don't. You don't think it's true? I was working away. We, we were buying a house, and I was. We were going out. We're running connect groups during the week. My wife and I were leading worship. We're helping, and we had not enough money when we we're buying a house. We found out there was asbestos in the ceiling. And we had already closed, pretty much closed the deal. And we were like, do we back out? It's the perfect house. And somebody shows up at our door. Knock, knock, knock. This lady comes in. She says, God spoke to me. I'm supposed to give you seven grand. That was the exact amount it was going to cost to remove all the asbestos. Wow. Like when you start saying, God, not my, I'm just going to focus on you. God starts showing up and taking care of your kingdom. You take care of his kingdom. He'll take care of your little itty bitty kingdom. Yeah. And this is what the prayer this prayer is so powerful, and of course, um, we'll have to get into more, more next week. Um, and so, why don't we stand together? Did you guys enjoy that so far? Let's stand. We're going to pray together the, the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to take some communion. So, All right, we're going to bring that up, that slide up. That'd be great. All right, don't, don't repeat after me. Let's all just say it together, uh, starting at Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.